Hello and welcome everyone to the third episode of Upon the Heathen Path. Now, I know the audio quality is not the best and I'm working on coming up with a better intro. I mean, I don't really have an intro right now at all other than me saying hi, uh, but I do want everyone to know that there is more effort being put into this than just the recordings while I'm driving. But I thought today we would do one of the stories from the mythologies, and we're going to do one of my favorite versions of the story, which is Neil Gaiman's version, which I really enjoy. Is his name Neil Gaiman or Neil Gaiman? I think it's Gaiman. Could be wrong, either way. Uh, So the way Neil's story goes is... Well, it's one of my favorites out of the mythologies, but it's the story of Mjolnir. And it's one of my favorites for multiple reasons. Uh, uh, There are multiple sources out there for this story, so if you haven't read Neil Gaiman's version and you read another version somewhere else, do know that there are multiple versions. Um, Don't just take, like, one you know, go go ahead, read the other ones, see the differences in the way people tell the stories, and look for the key features that are gonna, you know, follow around that same mark. But the story of how Thor got Mjolnir is one of my favorite stories because it's not so much a Thor story as it is a Loki story. So the story goes like this: Thor. He's laying in bed, you know, early morning. He's waking up. When you wake up, the first thing you do is you reach out to your wife, your significant other, and you, you know, you kind of like give him a nice little wake-up kiss, yeah? Well, he went to go do that to Sif, and when he did that, he reached over, and her hair wasn't there. So he shot up, and he's all like, what has happened to you? What? What is this? What is going on? He's just completely taken aback by the fact that his wife, who had the most beautiful hair in all the Nine Realms, all of a sudden was bald. Like, just straight bald. And he looks at her, and she goes, what is wrong? And he goes, your hair, it's gone. And she she reaches up, and she touches her head, and she realizes that her hair is gone. It's no longer there. And it's been taken in such a way that it was each strand was pulled from the root. So there's no way it'll grow back. It wasn't just cut off. It wasn't just shaved. It was completely pulled out. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if you tug on one of my hairs, I feel that shit. So... I can only assume that the night before had to have been a very, very big party. There, They had to have been drinking, like, leaks, like, just leaks to be able to fucking not feel that. But, <clears throat> Thor had the same thought he always has in this situation. What has Loki done? So he went off and look of Loki. And when he found Loki, 
who apparently didn't remember much about his doings, but he finds Loki, and he grabs Loki, and he tells Loki, I am going to hurt you for what you have done. And Loki goes, I don't know what you speak of. What, what, what is going on? What are you talking about? And he goes, you took her hair. And he goes, oh, that. Well, I thought it would be fun at the time. Which speaks more to the fact that Loki had been drinking. He had to have been drinking. For him to think at any point that, you know what will be fun? Thor, the god who embodies, like, anger. Just anger. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going I'm to play the meanest trick I can think of on him. He had to have been drunk to do it. And Thor grabs him and Thor says, you need to fix this. And Loki says, it was done in such a way that it'll never grow back. There's, there's nothing I can do. And Thor calmly looks at Loki and goes, Loki, I can't kill you, but I think I will break every bone in your body every day until you fix this, until you find a way to make this better. And he looks at him and he goes, and I think if I do this every day, I'll get quite good at it. Right now, it might take me an hour and a half to break every bone in your body, but I think wouldn't take long before I'm able to finish the task in ten minutes. Just the start of every day. And he grabs Loki, and Loki says, wait, 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 wait. I, I have friends. I have friends who can, who can do stuff. They can do magical stuff. They can do amazing things. I am going to go and talk to them. And they will be able to fix this. They will, they will be able to, they will help me. So Thor says, well, you better hurry, because if you don't get this fixed, I will break every bone in your body. And Loki runs off. And he, goes, he goes to the realm of the dwarves, and he talks to them. And he's got several friends that he, he knows that are really amazing at blacksmithing and forging like, just the most amazing things. So Loki goes to them, and he tells them he needs items made for a competition. And they say, yes, this will be amazing. This will be the greatest thing ever. Like, we'll totally do this. We'll make these gifts for the gods, and then let them judge our works. And Loki, even though... It already pretty much fixed the problem at hand, decides he's got to take it another step further. So he goes in search of these two brothers. These two brothers are some of the best smiths in the land. And he tells them, you know, Asgard's putting together a competition. My friends are going to win. And the elves look, or the dwarves look at, look at Loki and go, they're... They're only going to win because we're not competing. Like, our stuff isn't going to be in there. And he's all like, well, it's all for the best, I suppose, that you don't enter. I mean, it is going to be judged by the gods. These gifts that are being made by, or for the gods will be judged by the gods, so it's only fair that you not enter. 
if you had entered, you would have lost, obviously. And he's, he's using manipulation to get the brothers to create some things. Because Loki, Loki's decided that not only does he have to fix the situation, but this is obviously going to lose him some favor with the gods. The gods are going to be pretty mad at him about this. So in order to fix that, he's he's dis, he's come up with a scheme that will allow him to bring treasures to the gods so that they can they can properly judge it. So Loki goes to the god or goes back up to the gods and he tells the gods like, "Hey, we've got this uh thing I'm going to do to fix the thing, but I also have something else. Uh they're going to do a competition to see who can be make the most amazing thing and I want y'all to judge it." And of course, the gods are all like, "Yes, this sounds great. We'll judge it. This is going to be great." It's going to be an amazing event. So Loki goes back, and the brothers have accepted the offer. They've decided, all right, we're going to compete. We're going to make our three items. And Loki goes, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see you there then. So Loki goes, and he checks on, he checks on his friends. And his friends have made three amazing items. And he's all like, there's no way. The brothers are going to be able to compete with this. This is just not. But I'm going to go watch just in case, just to see. So Loki goes, and he decides he's going to transform himself into a fly so he can he can watch. And he sees the brothers, and the brother tells the other, "I need you to work the billows. I need you to keep the billows steady." The heat must be just right. So no matter what, you cannot stop until I tell you to. His brother goes, okay. And they go and they start hammering away. And he starts heating up the, the metals and the golds. The first thing he grabs is a pigskin. And he throws it in. And he's been saving this pigskin for a while. It's something he, he knew he was going to be able to use for something great. And he wanted to make sure that it was going to be for something great. So they start working. Loki's watching. Loki, uh, Loki decides that a little bit of mischief couldn't hurt. So he lands on the brother's hand while he's working the billows. The brother sitting there, he notices him, but he can't swat him away because he's got to keep the billows at the same pace. So if he takes his hand off of one of the billows, it's going to slow it down. So he starts he starts watching, and he tries to match the rhythm. Eventually, he swats at him. But he did slow down just a little, just enough to cause the billows to not be properly heated. And he create, and what comes out is a boar, a metal boar made for Freya. And it's beautiful. It is amazing, amazing accomplishment. And everywhere it looks, grass grows, and it's made of like golden bristles. It is just an amazing thing of beauty. And he goes, uh, "What happened? What happened?" He, explains, he tells him, there was a fly, it, like, slowed me down a little, he's all like, well, next time, don't do anything, just, just keep, keep doing what you have to do, so he's all like, okay, 
he starts making the third item. And the third item he makes of solid gold, and he just starts hammering it while well, the bellows are being worked. Loki sees this and looks all like, well, he's got to work through it. Let's see if he can work through some paint. So Loki bites him on the hand as hard as he can. And it causes the brother to slow down again. And the brother screams, okay, it's done. He comes out, and this time he's carrying a metal ring. And he goes, could have been, could have been bigger. I could have gotten it a lot more larger to where it was going to be an actual necklace, but I guess an arm ring is fine. And his brother apologizes and explains it was the damn fly again. And he goes, this time, no matter what, even if the fly bites you, don't stop. You cannot stop. And Loki sees this, he's all like, well, whatever they make obviously isn't going to be better. And I might have forgotten a part. Loki's got a lot riding on this, because one of the brothers bet Loki's head against everything. But that'll come in later. So Loki's got a lot invested in this. So Loki's sitting there, and he's watching them make this last thing. The last thing the brother has said is going to be his greatest work ever. It is going to be a masterpiece, a triumph of every blacksmith ever. And he starts working on it. And the brother is sitting there. He's working the bellows. He's got a steady pace. The heat is exactly where it needs to be. So Loki goes and he lands on his hand. And he flies from one hand to the other trying to distract the brother. But this time it's not working. So he grabs a little bit of flesh and he bites it. He sinks his teeth in as far as he can into his hand, and it doesn't stop him. He's only like, ah, i got to work harder to cause a distraction this time. So as the brother's sitting there, and he's working the bellows, he flies up right above his eye, and he bites as hard as he can. And as he bites, the brother has, like, he's holding on, but he can't. He, he just has to do something. So he, he times it, comes up, swats, puts his hand back down, and he thinks he's got it just right. But he lags just a little. And the brother screams, all right, it's done. He comes out and he's holding a hammer. It's a nice, massive hammer. And you could tell this hammer was going to be grand and it would be fitted perfectly on a nice, long, war hammer's shaft. But instead, the handle of this hammer is short. And he goes, I couldn't work it fast enough because the billows, they dropped. And he explains to him about how the fly bit his eye. Now by this time, the brother suspects that it's Loki. It's got to be Loki. He goes, this will have to do. This It's still an amazing work. So the next day, the gods are all sitting in court. And the Dorvin, the Dorvin Smiths start presenting their, their items. And one of the items is delivered to Freya. And Freya gets a boat. This boat is massive. It's the biggest boat in existence, but it can fold up into a tiny handkerchief and be carried around. The next is a spear given to Odin. The spear Gungnir. The spear is so impressive, it'll never miss its mark, no matter how it's thrown. It'll always strike true, and it'll always return to Odin. 
Then they present Sif with a ball of golden strands. And they place it upon Sif's head. And as they place it upon her head, it, or upon her head, it falls and it cascades down her head, as if to be like thousands of perfect strands of hair, all golden in luster. And they are made in such craftsmanship that they sink into the roots of Sif's scalp, and they'll grow and they'll act as if natural hair. And it is just truly lovely, and the gods are all impressed. These are great items, all of them, every one of these items. And it comes time for the brothers to place theirs, and they inform Odin of the bet that was made. They tell him, we have made these treasures for you so that we can compete. But there is one other thing we want, other than the gods' approval on just knowing that we will have the head of the mischievous god Loki if we win. And Odin looks over, looks over at Loki and says, "Is this true?" And Loki says, "Yes. This is this is the oath we made. We, I did offer that as a bet." And Odin says, "Then it shall be." And they present their first item, and they bring it over to Freya, and they give her the, the boar, and they tell her what the boar does. They're all like, "Wow, this is amazing! This is a magical item." The second item, the ring, they bring over to Odin, and they hand Odin the ring, and they tell him that every nine days, this ring will make nine more golden rings just like it. It is called Dripnir. Dripnir, every nine days, will continue to make those rings so that the treasury of the gods never depletes. Finally, they bring out the final item, Mjolnir. And they explain that the hammer is heavy, and it should have been a much more grander item than what it is. And they say of all the things that, of this hammer, it can be thrown. And every time it is thrown, it will return. And it can, it can never be lifted by anybody other than someone who is strong enough to wield it. And Thor walks over to it. And they say, but the handle, the handle is too short. It was supposed to be that of a great war hammer. And Thor grabs it by the short handle and picks it up and says, this is a fine, fine piece of weaponry you have made. I break weapons all the time and I lose them when I throw them, but this is unbreakable and I cannot lose it. This is the greatest gift the gods have been given. And he takes Mjolnir into his hands, and he says, This shall be mine, and I shall use this to protect all of the Nine Realms. And it will be the bane of the Jotun. And Loki's face turns pale. For he's gotten himself out of one fire, but he seems to have fallen right to another. And the dwarf's younger brother looks at him and says, I shall take my reward. Loki, being ever mischievous, ever the trickster, goes, that is, that is true, you have won my head, but the bet was for my head, not my neck. 
So if you harm my neck, the gods will destroy you. And they look at, Lo- at Odin, and Odin looks at them and says, this is true. The, the, the bet was made for the head. You may not harm his neck. The dwarf looks at Loki, knowing that there's no way he can remove this oaf's head without damaging the neck. So he says, so the head is mine, and I can do with it what I will, even though it's not separated from Loki. So I wish, I wish to place a seal amongst the lips of Loki so that another lie may never cross his lips. And Odin says that this, this is a fair, this is a fair compromise. This will work. So the dwarf pulls out an awe, some bits of leather, and he uses the awe to pierce the leather and Loki's lips so that he may draw the leather twine between them and tie them shut. Now he knew this would not last long, for eventually the leather would fall off and it would no longer be a proper seal, but he knew that this would forever scar the lips of Loki. And that people will always know that the lips of Loki have been scarred due to his lies and his treachery. And that's the story of how the gods got their treasures. How Mjolnir was given to Thor. And how Thor swore to use it to protect Midgard and all of its inhabitants from the Jotun. And there are a lot of things that come from this story. One of them. Always, always be weary of those that would come at you with pretty words. People can manipulate us into doing a lot of things with just pretty words and a smile. Loki was the best at that. So this is a warning to us. Not only to be careful of those that have pretty words for us and silver tongues, but to also be weary of Nights where we're out far too late, drinking far too heavily, that we would allow such misfortune to befall us as Sif and her hair. It's also about diligence, that no matter how hard something becomes, we must persevere and see through it. For if we falter, even though we achieve something, it could have been far greater. These are the lessons that are embedded in this story. Again, one of my favorite stories, and I am trash at telling stories, guys. I know that. But I do I do recommend that if you're going to read the, read the mythologies and get told the stories, that the best way to do it is by listening to Neil Gaiman's books. And Neil Gaiman is an amazing author. Uh, he's done work such as The American Gods... Um, there's another one that he's done, which is an amazing piece of work. He's done the Greek mythologies, the Norse mythologies. But my favorite thing about him is that when he does his stories, he tells you how he found the stories. And how he found the stories was the same as a lot of new practitioners. He found the stories through Marvel. Granted, he found the stories through Marvel way before the, uh, the Marvel movies but through the comics. And 
that led him to Norse mythology so that he read the stories. He understood them and he he took those stories to heart in such a way that he was able to tell those stories and retell those stories in his own light. And as heathens, that's something we should be practicing and trying to do, is being able to take the stories and give them the life that we need them to have so that we can share them to others. I know this one was a short one, guys, and I do hope that the main lessons from the stories aren't lost on us. And one of the things that I really, really, really wish for is that no matter what happens on our path that we take, on this journey that we're taking together, on the heathen path, that we remember that the source material is ever-changing because of the fact that originally it was word of mouth. The stories were passed or like through stories. They were told verbally to children's and children's children and told around campfires by countless Norse families. We cannot stick to one written version. In order to know the stories truly, we must listen. We must read them all. We must know that there are more than just the one. Because no one version is the same. I hope you've all taken something from this, and I hope to see you all again tomorrow.